The Bible Study Podcast, episode 725. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 2 Corinthians with chapter 10. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with chapter 10, just three more chapters after this left in 2 Corinthians. Paul defends his ministry. Chapter 10. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters, for some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. I'm going to pause here because Paul's got that one theme there that he's covered now twice here. When Paul says that I am timid when face-to-face and bold towards you in a way, this is apparently criticism that Paul has gotten because it says elsewhere in the book of Acts that Paul wasn't necessarily a great speaker. In fact, at one point, somebody falls asleep in one of in the middle of one of his sermons as he's heading back to Jerusalem and he has to pause the sermon to raise the kid from the dead, which, you know, happens all the time, I'm sure, in your church as well. But he says, I've gotten this criticism that I am timid when I'm face-to-face and I'm bold from you when I'm away, that I write to you more strongly than I speak to you. And he's sort of telling them, yes, that may have been the case, but expect that when I come back, I won't be timid. Expect that when I come back, the things that I have said to you boldly, I will say to you in person. And don't think that we as Christians should live by the standards of this world. And he said some of the people there seem to think this. They seem to expect that that is the way we live. And I think that is true for us today as well, and maybe even more true for us it's easy for us to get caught up in the way that things are done and the way that our society works, which is different, obviously, from one society to another. And in fact, easy for us to wage war as the world does. And so, you know, for Paul, that would be war of words for us. That might be war of words that's, you know, Twitter or Facebook or whatever we're having. We're waging war as the world does. And Paul says that's not what we as Christians are supposed to be doing. There's some more power that we have access to, and that is the power of God. And so one of the things that he would encourage the church to, for instance, is to tap into that power. We tap into that power, obviously, through prayer. And 
do we fight the things that we are trying to fight? First of all, are they the things that God is trying to fight or are they just the things that we are trying to fight? And that is something that is very important to do. But that's one of the reasons to go to God in prayer and say, I think I'm against this. Are, am I in agreement with you? It, but also to call on that power of God to change our minds or to change the situation or to give us the courage to deal with the situation. Whatever God's purpose is, that's where we should start and not with Twitter flame wars and things like that. He says, we demolish every argument and pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. He's saying we start with the knowledge of God before anything else. I'm not sure that we always start with the knowledge of God. I'm not sure that we always start with the Bible, that we always start with the the truth, uh, both in the Bible and elsewhere. I don't think we put our arguments or our beliefs sometimes on a sure foundation. And Paul's saying this is an old problem. Paul's saying he sees that then. People who, at this point, who are arguing against the knowledge of God. They're basically arguing against the things that Paul knows to be true. He says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He's not talking about them anymore. Well, he's not just talking about them. He's also talking about himself. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I don't feel I do that. Now, I'm not saying I shouldn't do that or that you shouldn't do that. But to be honest with you, that sounds like a stretch for me, that my every thought is obedient to Christ. Is your every thought obedient to Christ or are you, you much better at this than I am? Do you think all of your thoughts are full of grace and full of love as Christ was? Or do you sometimes, like me, get petty and sometimes think more about our team and their team and and win and loss and such rather than love, which is what God is thinking about, right? Think of that story of the prodigal son. In that story of the prodigal son, God is represented by this father who is wronged by his son, his son who basically says, I wish you were dead so that I could have my inheritance now. That's not what the words say in there, but he says he asked for his inheritance. His inheritance, basically, he should be waiting until his father dies, but he's saying, I can't wait until you die, literally. Can, can you give me my money now? And he goes away and he, and he blows it all and he comes back to his father and his father has every human right to be mad at this son and to turn his back on him. But that is not who God is. If I'm letting God take captive my every thought, if I'm making it obedient to Christ, I'm thinking that way. I'm thinking the way that the father did, who is longing for that son to be saved, longing for that son to come back. And Jesus tells that story in response to the attitude of the religious people of his day, the Pharisees, who are wanting to know, who is my neighbor? Who, is, who do I have to love? Who are trying to draw a line that separates people and puts them outside of the love of God. And he tells those three stories of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And I'm not sure that we always think that way, that we always care for those who are outside as much as we care for ourselves or those who are inside. But that is what it means to let our every thought be captive and obedient to Christ. So Paul says, we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. He says, we're coming back. Don't make me come back there. Uh, this, this sounds like my father on the long trip, right? Don't make me turn this car around. 
And he says, you're judging by appearances. You, you think that you're, you're so confident that you belong to Christ, you forget that we do also. You're so confident that you're right, you forget that someone else may be more right than you. Right? Even if I boast of the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, he says, I won't be ashamed of it. I have that authority. I founded this church. It's sort of, you know, your father saying, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. It's, it's, he has authority legitimately over this church. And when he comes back, he doesn't want to be the angry Paul, right? He doesn't want to come back as someone who is trying to correct things. That's why he sent the letter to restore that relationship and to correct some of the things that they need to correct. And he continues on, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commended themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that, as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but... Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Okay, that last part here would be a great way to summarize this whole paragraph here, that he says, just because I think well of myself, just because I compare myself to myself, which is what he starts with, doesn't make me all that. Who is it that the Lord commends? We want to live in such a fashion that when we stand before the throne of grace, we hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And these people, he's saying, they commend themselves to themselves. They compare themselves to themselves and they say, you know, I'm pretty great. Look at all the things that I can do. One of the reasons that I tried in that last paragraph to compare myself to Christ is it brings more humility than saying, comparing myself to you or comparing myself to me or comparing. Basically, Christ is given to us as the standard by which we understand the heart of God. And if I fall short of the example of Christ, I fall short of where God wants me to be. And I do, right? But I want to strive towards that. I don't want to get complacent that, well, I'm pretty good or I'm better than him. Remember that Pharisee who stood in the temple and says, God, thank you that I'm better than this tax collector, this publican, who is beating his chest and saying, Lord, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't even deserve to look up. And Christ says, this is the one whose prayer was heard, the one who was humble. So he's encouraging us to be humble and to compare ourselves with Christ, to listen to, to play for an audience of one, to play for, to to basically Live so that God will approve of what we do and not worry about anything else. And Paul talks about his sphere, his sphere of ministry, that they are within his sphere of ministry. They're basically part of the work that he has been given. Paul, who has been the one who brought Christianity to Corinth, Paul, who was one of the ones who built up this church, you know, stayed there long enough to build it up, 
that's why he has authority over it. But he's saying that's not really all we want to do. We want to go past you. There are other people who need to hear so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. One of the reasons why Paul doesn't want to have to come back there and deal with the problems of Corinthians is there are other people at stake, right? There are other people who these people's selfishness may cause those people's peril, may cause those people to be lost. We never want to be the one who our actions cause that for someone else or our actions hurt others, especially their faith, but in other ways as well. And so he's saying, I've got work to do, including you, but I also have work that I need to do past you. Let's move on with this. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.